All right, are we all ready? Now I gotta remember what I say. <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Janet Sullivan. Welcome to the HR Wonder Woman with Wendy and Anne. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of HR Wonder Women. I am your host, Wendy, and with me as always is Anne. How are you tonight, Anne? I am doing well, Wendy. It seems like a long time since we talked to each other. I am excited for um, I'm excited for tonight's uh, recording, but I'm excited to talk to you again. Yes, <laughs> it has been a while. Um, and uh, this, uh, you've brought someone to us, which is great. Love meeting new people this way. I think that's my favorite part of doing this podcast is all of the great people that we get to meet um, and learn from. We are... Uh, Picking our way through some of this stuff, there's a lot of um, information out there, and um, for us, it's getting it out one person at a time, and uh, that's that's why I like what we do. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, and one of the things we, we briefly touched on it earlier, our um, conversations are getting are awesome and getting longer. So we are going to keep our small talk extremely small from, <laughs> from here on out. Uh, and we do start by with our identity. Um, we think it's important to um, identify who we are and how we um, identify as human beings. And I do love um, our last guest, Natalie Egan. Um, when she identified herself, she started with um, human. And so I loved that so much. I'm going to steal that from her. And, uh, and I'm going to, I'll start us, kick us off with the identity. Um, I am Wendy. I identify as human, female, white, Christian, cisgender, able-bodied. Uh, and my pronouns are she and her. How about you, Anne? Excellent, Wendy. Uh, we are a lot alike. Right. There's a lot of different ways that we can identify ourselves. And I think that for the purpose of this conversation in the context of what we're trying to do with HR Wonder Women, I like to focus on um, areas of privilege because I want it to be really clear where I experience privilege because a lot of what we're talking about is um, uh, the ways that many women don't experience privilege and what what needs to happen to change that. And so in the context of this conversation, I am a white woman. I am um, uh, straight, cisgender, non-disabled. Uh, there are other things too, but I think that's enough <laughs> to, to kind of get, get the idea. Yes. Yes. And um, I am super excited to introduce our guest tonight. Uh, our guest is Janet Sullivan. Janet is a leadership coach and human resources consultant with over 18 years of experience serving as a trusted advisor to C-suite executives and emerging leaders in corporate, international, and nonprofit settings. Janet's leadership coaching is informed by firsthand experience, holding senior human resources leadership roles in multiple high-growth environments and training from Georgetown University's renowned leadership coaching program. Janet is known for her direct communication style, infectious energy, unflappable executive presence, and uncanny ability to offer poignant insights and interventions to complex situations. Founder of Planted Leadership, she offers customized leadership training and coaching programs grounded in evidence-based strategies. Janet, we are so excited to have you here tonight, and uh, we want to start off by 
um, asking you, you know, the same thing about identity. We know that intersectionality matters. It's a reason we do this podcast. We all have ways in which we identify ourselves and different parts of our identity matter more in some spaces than others. So when thinking about this conversation, how do you identify and what are your pronouns? Hi, everyone. This is Janet Sullivan. First of all, Anne and Wendy, I'm so glad to be here with you guys today. So I identify as a Ghanaian American, an immigrant, a Black woman, able-bodied, Christian, and my pronouns are she and her. Great. Thank you so much. And I did forget to say that my pronouns are also she and her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so Janet, your LinkedIn bio says you are passionate about coaching HR executives and rising HR leaders devoted to diversity, equity, and inclusion work, and that you believe that leadership coaching for leaders of color and women is a key aspect of diversity initiatives. So talk to us a little bit more about that and what that looks like and why it's key. So um, I think it's key because in the past, I've seen organizations put together diversity training, like, you know, you guys have seen this, a day or two day commitment, all hands on deck to do a training on diversity or unconscious bias. And what happens in those situations are that it's a benefit to the whole organization, but there's really not a lot that the people of color get out of it because it's almost as if there were level set in everyone else in the organization to be familiar with the experiences of the women and women of color or people of color in the organization. So I find that if any good diversity program, what's really important is that leadership coaching offers one-on-one time with leaders of color to really have a private space to talk about the scary things they can't talk to HR about, they can't talk to their boss about, and you have this independent person that's not attached to the organization to really be a third party to talk about their fears and what's really stopping them from showing up effectively at work. So that's why I think that leadership coaching gives that space for the leaders of color um, so I'm going to stop there. Does that answer that question? Because I could go on and on and on. and on. <laughs> I, I, You know, I think, yeah, you definitely touch on, on the answers to that question. I, and I think that's so important where it becomes more than just training. It becomes more than just that one day event. Yeah. Yes. And I think that whole idea of that so much of what we do in diversity and inclusion work in our organizations. I mean, that really resonated that idea that all we're doing is level setting. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just like, I'm trying to put words to this. This (laughs) Like that really, really resonated that we miss the boat, I think all the time Mm -hmm. for our, our employees of color because we're not bringing anything new for them. We're not, we're, we're just, we're just trying to create a bar that's so low Mm-hmm. Um, basically we're trying to create a bar where there's never been a bar, yeah. um, instead of doing anything to raise that bar. I think that's, that's really, yeah. so, so what I found, um, in my experience being the person in HR scheduling the training and watching the room on the day of the training for the people of color and the women in the organization is that, well, what, what am I getting out of this? Right. And so I think that if we're going to spend the dollars on training everyone. We should also allocate some budget to the women of color and the women and the leaders of color in the organization for them to have tools to navigate 
the system so, so they can thrive, right? So I think a diversity, if a diversity trainer does not have solutions for the people who are being, I'm going to use this word very broadly, oppressed, then mm -hmm. what's the point? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I like that as well. Um, so just thinking about, especially then thinking about um, the leadership coaching for leaders of color and for women, you recently tweeted about doing more leadership training than coaching. So talk a bit about what that looks like. What, what is leadership training look like and then coaching and talk about the impact that the two can have on a business. It's so, I, I really appreciated that question. And um, so leadership coaching essentially is one-on-one -on -one, or it can also be done with the team. So for example, one-on-one, um, -on -one, the person can come to you and talk about um, what are their blind spots as well as my favorite part of it is the 360. So most one-on-one -on -one leadership coaching, they get a 360 that's done by the coach where I know companies do 360, but what research has found, the McKinsey report that was recently done in 2018 found that when it comes to black women and women of color, um, managers, white managers don't tend to give them direct feedback. It's done in a very indirect way that most of the women um, walk away like, I know they're trying to say something, but not really saying it. I'm not really sure. They really don't give them that direct feedback they need to really be effective. So what a leadership coach can do is gather all that feedback and be able to present it and distill it and give that leader real feedback that can really change their whole career trajectory. So I've, so that's one thing, but the, what I've noticed is that leadership coaching is almost, is very, it's a privilege that's usually given to C-suite and executives, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if the members are telling us that women of color and women are not in the C-suite, What's happening in leadership coaching essentially is white men are usually getting the leadership coaching or white women um, because there might just be one black woman in, in the C-suite. And so it's not a privilege that's really pervasive throughout all levels of the organization. So that's where the benefit of training comes in. So in training, you can capture people at all levels all together. There's room to have 20 to 50 people in a room. And then you have an opportunity to really share some of these um, tips and tricks that are being shared one-on-one -on -one with C-suite executives, but you can broadly give it to everyone else in the organization. So the impact of the business is there's more of a reach when you have training. Um, but I think that the shift happens more transformationally with one-on-one -on -one leadership coaching, however, though. I think the impact is so much more stronger in one-on-one because -on -one. in one-on-one, -on -one, you really get to the heart of what matters most to the employee and what's really getting in the way of them being successful. You know, I like how you're having it, that one-on-one, that -on -one, the, it's so easy to get lost in a group mm -hmm. and, um, and not speak up and regardless of where you fall in the hierarchy of who's in the room. So I, it's nice to see people focusing on this piece of it um to you focusing on this piece of it in that one-on-one -on -one. yes yeah i do i like that but i also uh, can appreciate the value of the leadership training because the reality is um the reality is right like coaching tends to be reserved for the c-suite and even if we um 
removed those roadblocks that um, Margaret Spence, our first HR Wonder Woman guest, mm -hmm. talked about, that, that it's not barriers for women of color, it's roadblocks. Even if we remove them and our C-suite was filled with women of color, which is the dream, um, there's still like a limited number of people that are going to be in the C-suite. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of other people that are looking for some leadership guidance to be able to grow those leadership skills, to be able to get them there. So even though the coaching is the most transformational, I can see that there's still real value in leadership training. And I don't think we, even when we break down those roadblocks and, um, you know, women of color have access, we're still going to need that leadership training piece because it is unrealistic to think that we would ever be able to get coaching for every single person right. in the organization. Yeah, it's unrealistic. So that's what organizations tend to do is look for their top performers and try to give them that coaching. And you're right, the training is a bang for a buck because that same study I cited earlier with McKinsey and Lean In, they found that for every 100 men that are promoted, only 60 Black women are promoted. Mm -hmm. And for every 100 men that are promoted, only 80 white women are promoted. So... Um, and there was an interesting trend as well that both white women and black women come in and when they're hired at entry-level jobs. They're pretty equal, but then as they go to the C-suite, it's almost as if they're taking the elevator down while mm -hmm. men are taking the elevator up. So they're, they're just not in the C-suite whatsoever. So that just tells us that leadership training for everyone can help women and leaders of color get into that C-suite. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think part of it too, for us, in my perspective is we as women, white women and, and women of color need to help promote each other because so many times we look at it as, oh, there's one spot. Yeah. And, it's, and we're not, we shouldn't be in that competition. We should be helping to, to raise others up and figuring out how, how do we put out that hand to help somebody up? Um, how do we help others become good coaches so that we can have more on, of that one-on-one? -on -one? I think that is one way to get there, hopefully. Yeah. And Janet, you recently tweeted about your reluctance to do standalone diversity training. So how can organizations that are new to diversity work weave it into the life of the organization? How do they go from zero to fully integrated? Yeah, so I tweeted that because I strongly believe that diversity training, one-day diversity training is good only if the organization has never been exposed to anything, right? So you can always have your first unconscious bias training just to to get everyone to have language around, oh, what does pronouns mean? Why? Are, what's the distinctions between, you know, um, they and they are like just, just you want to give a common language. So that's what it does. It's more of an introduction. However, I've seen organizations just do it every year, almost like the sexual harassment training. <laughs> Here's the video. <laughs> So it's almost like you just do unconscious bias 2.0, you know, 3.0. Um, and so that tweet was really from an organization, because I think by this time in 2019, most organizations have been exposed to some kind of unconscious bias. You know, we started doing it around 2010, so we're in a pretty good place. So I'm now at a point where I, you know, I don't, I don't think we need to do it just as one basic understanding. We need to now audit our HR departments and look at our trainings 
look at our benefits, look at our at everything, and then look at it with a diversity and inclusion lens to see what can we revamp here with that lens so that we're now just living and breathing diversity and inclusion within the organization where it's not this one day thing. So for example, if this organization wanted to create a project management training, right? So project management training is very standard that you want to give organizations want to do each year. When you're doing a project management training, of course, have the trainer do the core principles and have an effective project management kickoff. But while you're doing that, also include in the training, you know, the idea of belonging, the idea of who is in the group, who is being selected every single time in the group to present or in the project management group to lead, to bring some of these diversity things that you've learned in diversity one-on-one into something like an Excel training or project management training. There's so many opportunities to look to see what are some lenses that we need to apply to this particular training. So that's what I mean by standalone, because you're always going to have some type of training in your organization. You can absolutely put a diversity literacy lens to it. I I like that. Just where can you just adds part of those conversations. And I think, you know, the more we add them in, the more natural those pieces exactly. of it will, will become. Exactly. It's about changing that conversation. Exactly. Normalizing, changing what normal means. Yeah. And, and if you're the HR leader, your list of trainers that you have coming into the office every time you choose, you, you can push your client to say, hey, do you have any women of color mm-hmm. um, trainers? And you have to ask that question. You know, I work for a consultant firm where our bank, the client actually said, the folks you put on this bio, these pictures of these consultants, all of them, there's no diversity here. And we're not giving you the work because we don't see any diversity. So it's not just about what you're doing internally, but who are you letting in coming into the company and where are you putting your dollars to support the system? Because, you know, it's really a system, right? right? So are you supporting the system as well by not, by putting your dollars into systems that are not also willing to change? Yeah, and I think that that hits on so many levels, right? So where are you putting your dollars? Where, where are you investing your money? Also that representation matters, that if, if your staff, um, who holds knowledge? So if everyone who comes in to train your staff or teach your staff or share knowledge with your staff, if everybody who comes in is white, what are you saying as the organizational yeah. leadership about who are the holders of knowledge? Exactly. And then, and then on the next level down, just thinking or, or up or to this, on another level, um, the, the whole idea, what you were just talking about, right? Like you can do project management and have that equity lens, that diversity lens. And I think when you bring in people of color, they've got that lens because you're living it all the time. So it's not like, I mean, so let's be frank, right? So if Wendy or I come in and do a training and we can say, oh, we want to make sure that we've got an equity lens, we actually have to think about that um, Mm -hmm. because we have the privilege of walking through life without having to think about that. Right. But if you come in, you don't have to be like, hmm, I wonder if I should put, you know, how can I put an equity lens? Because your life is an equity lens. Yes. Right? Like you're, you're right. looking through an equity lens as you live your life. Yes. Um, but yeah, but I mean, you're looking through life through a lens that you, that, that that's just part of your lived experience. Um, so I think for all of those reasons, it's important that we think about our trainings and our staff development 
in that way. Mm-hmm. And we need to be comfortable with saying, oh, we got this wrong. We need to, we need to fix it. Yeah. And, and you also have to be comfortable saying to your vendors that you use, um, what does your diversity look like as a business? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have to be comfortable and willing to create your own Rolodex of different people that you can right. add on and bring in too as organization. I mean, it could be as simple as if you're ordering, I know in our old organization, we would order lunch for the team every single Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. Are you supporting a minority owned business or are you always going to Chipotle? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, there's so many things as HR leaders that we have power to bless. And I'm using the word bless lightly. Um, mm-hmm. Small businesses, women-owned businesses that you can look to see how can you help as well. Right. Well, Janet, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of the HR Social Hour, our half-hour question connection. And for HR Wonder Women, we have our special female twist. But we do love to talk about networking because that is the whole point of our podcast is to help people learn how to network and be more comfortable with it. So tell us how networking has helped you in your career and what's been very effective for you in your networking. So um, networking is really powerful and it's done in so many different ways, right? Because I think sometimes we think of networking as you go to a function and you talk to different people and you exchange business cards. But I think the example I'd love to share with you guys tonight is I, in January, I went to um, a Women's Entrepreneurship Day in my area, and there was a panel of women, and they did a good job having a diverse group of women talking about their roles, what they've done. And what I decided to do, I noticed there was a question that I had. I noticed that everyone was talking about how they're helping women in their organization, but there was no distinctions around how do you help the women of color in your organization. It was really very general. So when it was my turn to ask a question of the panel, I chose to ask a really bold question. So I asked the panel to share how have they helped women of color professionals in their organizations? And there's a lot of stuttering. There's a lot of <laughs> There was a lot of yes girl in the audience from people that looked like me they were like oh we've been here for eight hours no one's even asked this question to make this distinction that there are differences right it's it's not a whole we're not all in it together sometimes as women in, in organizations so everyone kind of fumbled the bag essentially except for the president of a community college who's on the panel and she said very frankly and she really stepped into her leadership power and said I work with a team that's mostly African-American women. And I think that all, they don't always tell me the truth about my leadership. I think that sometimes they aren't always honest with me, but I see that they also just are more honest with each other. And I'm trying to figure out how to break that wall because I think there's something I need to learn how to do and I need help to do that. And she was very vulnerable. She was very honest. And afterwards, she came over to me and said, hey, that was a really great question because that's something I struggle with. And here I was, I wouldn't have known that was something she struggled with. But because I did that, she gave me her business card. She asked for a meeting. And then she brought me into the organization to do a day-long training a month later and found a grant for me. So it helped my business when we say networking. 
by asking that powerful question. So that's all to say the network, it is not just a one-on-one, -on -one, but when you have a chance with the mic, when you ask these questions that are the big elephant in the room, it can help you with being tapped for more or for others to also really see you and hear you. That is a great story. Um, kudos to her for being willing yeah. to like step up and be vulnerable mm -hmm. um, and, and admit that it's something she's struggling with because um, it can be so easy to just wait until you have to just be quiet until you have the answer of like, this is how I solved it or, you know, figured yeah. the thing out. But kudos to you for stepping up and asking the hard question because you, you had to know that there was going to be a lot of fumbling and that people were going to be like, uh, you know, I wasn't <laughs> expecting, I wasn't expecting a hard question. That was great. And, and I, I love that it led to more business for you, but I also love that it led to relationships. I would imagine that while this particular woman tapped you to provide training, that there were other women that came up to you and talked to you because you, you asked that. And so I, I love what you said that, you yeah. know, it's when you have the mic, <laughs> use what, do you, what do you use it? Right. <laughs> use it. Yeah. It's interesting because I ran into a woman probably two months um, later, she was a photographer. She was taking pictures in an event and she recognized me and she said, Oh my God, you're the woman that asked that question at that event. <laughs> <laughs> and then she was like, I was in the back going, yes. <laughs> so yeah. No, that's awesome. So let's talk about what women do you read or follow for professional insights? <laughs> so that question um, is a really tough one because I am of the mind that when it, when, if prof the word professional is what gets me, because mm -hmm. I do not think there is a really loud voice right now on professional insights for women of color. I think there's a lot of people building platforms right now. Mm -hmm. And for women in general, I, and I, even women who have been doing this leadership and professional and HR work for years, there's an old school type of thinking that's out there with some of us in the HR world. Mm -hmm. And we're just now getting hip in the last five years. <laughs> it's like we're kind of throwing out some of the old paradigms in the last five years and exploring more. And so I think that I, I'm getting insights for a bunch of people, like people making their way there, but there's mm -hmm. really no one that I'm really can say. I think, so Minda Hart is someone I think is exploring and putting her stamp out there. But I'm just not, I, I just, I don't really think there's, I'm really stuck with that because what I'm sitting with is that there's a lot of people trying to make way, but it hasn't really happened yet. So what I'm finding is that I have to go to outside of the, my, the, my professional industry. So someone like Stacey Abrams, right? Mm -hmm. Who wrote the book, Minority Leader, who's talking about being a leader and a woman of color, a black woman in the political sphere. She's an example, but even her, she's on the journey. And so she's still trying to figure it out. Yeah. So sorry, long way to say that I really have no one that I really go to. <laughs> I'm really just observing everyone tossing and wrestling with how do you take some of these issues we know are issues and mm -hmm. do something about it. And, and I think that's okay because there's, there's the only woman that probably that I think has it all together is probably Oprah. And she might yeah. argue with that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's Oprah, but you, sometimes it's hard to take Oprah in the professional realm. Right. 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 
So it's almost as if, and you know, Brene Brown is great and she's figuring it out as well. But I think there's so many people, right? And it's actually very exciting. It almost feels like a renaissance time right now mm -hmm. where there's a lot of people figuring it. And then about 10 years from now, we'll look back and say mm -hmm. these were the trailblazers, right? Mm, yeah. So it's kind of exciting because we're all there. Even you, what you guys are doing with this podcast, exploring the questions, sitting with the questions, trying to see where we're going, but you don't have all the answers. You're talking to different people to get the answers. But then in 10 years from now, we'll look back and say, oh, yeah, we were right with this path. And yeah, this path just wasn't totally there. I like that. Yeah. It's a renaissance. <laughs> get your loots, folks. <laughs> Well, and on that note, uh, we'll talk a little entertainment. Janet, what is your favorite movie that features a strong female cast? Set It Off with Jada Piquette and Queen Latifah. And yeah, that's my favorite movie. I think it was done in the 90s. Oh. Where they rob, they decide to rob a bank. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's really good. I love it. Awesome. Sounds fun. How about a favorite female musician or band? Musician, Nina Simone. I listen to Nina Simone oh, yeah. every single morning. Mm. She's just a badass all around. <laughs> yeah, I can get behind that. So a favorite female protagonist in a book or alternately a favorite female fictional character? So Zora Neale Hurston's book, um, Dust Tracks on a Road, is mm. one of my favorite books. And it's um, it's a memoir and it's not. And so I really think she's my favorite character because she swings from being a historian, an anthropologist, a writer. And she's, this book is written in 1942 and it's about her life in the early 1900s. And this woman is just so amazing because she wrote in a dialect of what could be considered right now broken English and she really didn't care and she was an educated woman but she wanted to take folklore of black folks in the south and wrote in the way that they actually spoke so she's just someone that is just amazing also just even to be an anthropologist at that time to know that we have to collect our history where it's just she's my favorite author as well as my favorite fictional person I do. I love her writing. I do as well. Okay. So you lead a very busy life. What do you like to do outside of work? So I I'm a yoga teacher. I teach twice a week at a studio and then twice a week at a homeless shelter in a low income housing area. So that's, I'm really passionate about that. I try to weave meditation and yoga and centering into some of my work that I do, but I also like to separate it from work and really go into a studio or into a space and show people how they can really just connect it with themselves. That is wow. very, very cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, Janet, you have survived the question connection and you have survived our conversation, which yeah. it's been phenomenal. I've, I feel like I've learned so much about training and um, coaching and, and all of that and would love to continue the conversation um, definitely later if we ever happen to be in the same place at the same time. So much to learn from you. Okay, so Janet, it is now um, your opportunity to share how our listeners can get in touch with you. So you can find me on Twitter at Planted Leader, and that planted is P-L-A-N-T-E-D, leader. 
And I'm also on Instagram under notes from HR. How about you, Anne? Uh, the best place to find me is Twitter. I'm at at Anne Tomk, A-N-N-E-T-O-M-K. Uh, you can also find me at LinkedIn and Facebook. <laughs> and as for me, Twitter, of course. It's where I meet everybody. Um, I am Wendell93. Uh, happy to connect with everyone there. Fourth Sunday of each month, please join us on Twitter for the HR Social Hour Twitter chat, 7 p.m. Again, that's the fourth Sunday of each month. Want to give a special shout out to Skill Scout and all of their work they have been doing to uh, keep us edited and, and keep those going. So I do appreciate that. So Janet, again, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, and thank you. And for the HR Social Hour, Half Hour Podcast and HR Wonder Women, this is Wendy. Now go tell your story. <laughs> <laughs>